Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you, as this is our live show in which we encourage our listeners to call in and ask Jason Modlin, who is our guest today, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, a question on oil and gas. So let me give you the number. It's 210-308-8867. Again, the number is 210-308-8867. Um, And you might be wondering, like, well, what should I uh, call in and talk about pertaining to oil and gas? Folks, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, The debate, the Green New Energy deal, California is on fire. Uh, Texas is also reeling from uh, having revenues down because of the lack of oil and gas uh, production happening here in the state. How's that going to affect you? I think there's a lot to consider. So once again, that number is 210-308-8867 to ask Jason any question you might have on oil and gas. I'm sure he will have an answer for your question. I'd also like uh, to say our prayers are with our uh, editor of Shell Magazine, uh, as well as, you know, my my co-host here, David Blackman, who has had an unexpected medical condition pop up. Now he's fine. Everything is just fine with David, but he did need to take a little bit of time off, so he should be returning hopefully as early as next week. So, David, if you're listening, and I know you are, we miss you, and we hope you feel better very quickly or very soon. Um, He did ask for me to let you all know that the latest issue of Shell Magazine is out, in which our feature cover is Jason Modulin, who is uh, joining me today on the show. And it was really an important uh, cover because we've had a long relationship with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. They are uh, they do a lot of things for the energy industry. But a lot of it is focusing around uh, lobbying efforts, education efforts, um, and helping get good uh, laws passed pertaining to oil and gas, as well as keep an eye on the environment. And uh, it's a good group. We've had a great relationship with them. And uh, for for many of you all who follow uh, Shell Magazine, you know that he is new, uh, but is definitely not a newbie uh, to oil and gas. He has spent many, many years at the state capitol doing great work and, of course, having his pulse on the energy sector. And so we were able to catch up with him uh, and learn a little bit about uh, where he has been and what led him to the alliance, as well as learned a little bit about his family, his wonderful family. And so this is a great issue. Uh, But, you know, not only if you go to shellmag.com and look up uh, the free digital issue in which you'll find information uh, on Jason and the alliance, there's also other articles in there like business, lifestyle. So there's a lot of different great articles. We also do every single issue a uh, snapshot, if you will, of all the different shell plays that are making a difference here in North America. So it's a great issue. Uh, I encourage you once again, go to shellmag.com and you can get your free digital issue or just like us on Facebook and uh, it'll notify you when we have our latest issue out. Um, 
I'd also like to ask you if you've heard of a group. It's an energy networking group called TEAK, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, and it is better known as the Energy Chamber. A great group uh, uh, offers mixers, uh, lunch and learns, webinars, seminars, you name it, the whole kit and caboodle, as well as an energy day every two years. If you want to grow your business, if you want to get involved in the oil and gas sector, or if you want to sell into the oil and gas sector, great opportunity by visiting TXEnergyAdvocates.org. Again, that's TXEnergyAdvocates.org and uh, sign up. So that being said, let me give the number one more time to our listeners. The number is 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. That being said, now it is time for me to welcome on my guest today, Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Jason, welcome back to the show this week. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, we have really been doing quite a few events together, Shell Magazine and the Oil Patch and um, the Alliance. You recently um, uh, attended a state of energy in which you participated in a panel, um, and you kind of helped the audience understand what Texas is going to grapple with when we head back into session in early 2021. So I want to say thank you for, for doing that. Before uh, we start taking calls and allow a few more callers to jump on the line, talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, what do you think you covered that was really significant in helping the, the attendees of State of Energy and Corpus Christi understand what, what is the legislators going to grapple with here in Texas when 2021 starts? Well, legislators here in Texas are going to grapple with many of the same challenges that others are seeing from from other states and across the nation. Uh, You put together a great panel with energy advocates in Oklahoma, and we talked about uh, similar concerns. Uh, COVID has put a a dampener on, on tax revenues coming in, and it's been a double whammy for oil and gas where we've seen production shut-ins, and that's resulted in less severance taxes being collected. We've also seen some job uh, cuts, uh, particularly in Houston, but also in the oil patch that, that uh, are, are really challenging right now because there's not easy industries to, to flow into uh, elsewhere because uh, the economy is down. But bright uh, uh, horizon is coming. Um, uh, Oil and gas is starting to increase production here in the U.S. We are starting to see some countries come back and and ramp back up as a result of uh, uh, beating the virus. And so there's there's signs of progressing, um, and that's what lawmakers are going to take into account. They're going to see potentially an $11 billion shortfall from what Comptroller Hager projected last session. They've also got some school and transportation obligations that they'll want to meet and so they'll want to try to fill those holes uh and hopefully uh oil and gas is is not on the menu we're, we were the golden goose for the texas legislature producing record tax revenues for the state and they put those into education and transportation and uh we need to be partners with them to make sure that they can continue to do that mission uh both supporting school kids but also growing our economy with investments in infrastructure. You know, I think that um, a real reason why this show has been on the air for five years is I think that um, what we really try to do is help the listeners, and, and we're in multiple states, right, 
it's really hard uh, for a person who is outside the oil and gas industry to really understand what's going on. It's a complicated topic for sure. Um, but it also has these true life implications if, uh, for all of us. Um, and we're all hearing things like the Green New Deal and, uh, you know, we're going to stop fracking from day one if, if Joe Biden is elected. And there's so many different things that a person has to think about when it comes down to oil and gas. And this is why we, we, we are on the air is to try to bring these important uh, messages and information to them. But one of the things that's really important is as we get into 2021, we've had an entire year of very little oil and gas uh, to the state. Um, and yet we know that a lot of Texas is taxes are produced by the oil and gas. So because of COVID-19, it caused a whole bunch of problems. And uh, I want to get into later on in the show what Glenn uh, Hager was talking about is how is this going to affect the average Texan? Uh, is it going to affect the school systems? Is it going to affect law enforcement? Is it going to affect EMS? How does this affect everyone listening to the show and all of us, even if you don't live, I mean, excuse me, even if you don't work in the oil and gas industry, believe it or not, it affects them too. Your, I want your opinion on, we also had uh, Fahad uh, Nassar, who is a, a spokesperson for the embassy uh, in Saudi Arabia, great treat. Quickly tell me, what do you think uh, you picked up from him and what he was discussing was coming out of the, uh, OPEC and OPEC Plus? Well, I was pleased with his comments on uh, uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia really enforcing the OPEC deal. We certainly know that uh, there are a number of countries in the world uh, that would uh, – uh, not honor that deal. And so it was great to hear Saudi Arabia uh, really advocate for adhering to uh, production measures uh, to make sure that there's not a flooding of the market. You know, back in March, uh, seems like a lifetime ago, uh, we were concerned here in the U.S. of both Russia and Saudi Arabia flooding the market with cheap mm -hmm. crude. And thankfully, uh, because of the president's really uh, um, tough negotiations with both those countries, we saw an adherence to uh, uh, cuts and, and to making sure that there was not a flooding of cheap crude into the market that was undercutting American producers. Um, so I, I thought he had great comments and, and was really pleased that he was there uh, uh, digitally, but uh, uh, or remotely, virtually, anyway. <laughs> virtually, uh, they're in corpus. Yeah, he is. He is planning on soon, as soon as uh, we have uh, travel restrictions have really been laxed, he is coming to Texas to do a tour with us, and uh, we'll, we'll probably pull the alliance into to kind of uh, be a part of that too. As we get ready for break, um, I did want to uh, touch on you know as you mentioned the uh, in the past OPEC has not always had a lot of trust and when it comes down to North America producers and how they look at, are you really keeping these numbers? Are they really being accurate? And it's, it, it's just different players that play in that, uh, you know, OPEC uh, cartel place. So um, it was good to hear the reassurance that they understand that there is a lack of credibility from uh, some of the majors and that they need to do a better job of making sure they're reporting properly. When we come back from break, I do want to get back on um, the presidential debate and take some questions. We have people waiting on the lines. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. We're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and our guest today is Jason Modlin, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. This is our live show, so if you have a question for Jason on oil and gas, the uh, campaign uh, with the Green New Deal, uh, information on that, or anything else pertaining to the environment, give us a call. The phone number is 210-308-8867. Uh, Barry, let's get uh, Tracy from Seguin on the line. Tracy, are you there? And what's your question for Jason and, and uh, on the show today? Hi. Yes, I'm here, Kim. Thank you. Hello. <clears throat> Hello. I am calling regarding the debate between President Trump and Biden the other day. Biden does discuss the Green New Deal on there. Jason, can you perhaps give your opinion on what we heard? Was it anything different, or do you think it was the same double talk? Well, thank you, Tracy, for that great question. Um, I thought the vice president was a little more clear in his opposition to the Green New Deal. Unfortunately, his website still says that he is supporting the Green New Deal. Look, the vice president's plan is a $2 trillion investment in things like weatherization and incentives for renewable energy. Uh, The Green New Deal is a $91 trillion plan um, that is a top-down uh, uh, governance of our, our economy. Uh, it's talking about phasing out uh, cattle production. It's talking about getting rid of airplanes and ultimately remaking our entire economy by shifting away from oil and gas. Uh, I, I thought it was a pretty chaotic debate, um, but the president really hit on some, some fundamental truths. Uh, if you could kind of parse... Uh, uh, some of the the word choice. Uh, sometimes it's not the most artful, but uh, you saw Chris Wallace ask the president about California wildfires. 
Paris Climate Accords and the Clean Power Plan. And, and in each of those cases, he really pointed out the failures of government in each of those situations. Mm -hmm. California has stopped managing fuel levels in the forest and have allowed for unfettered development in the hills so that when there is a wildfire, whether it's uh, natural or whether it's uh, uh, somebody setting it, um, uh, they really have no tools to control that spread. On the Paris Climate Accords, he pulled us out because the accords ignored the growth in third world emissions in favor of a global governance structure to raise costs in the developed world. And then the Clean Power Plan, frankly, ignored trends that were already occurring. Natural gas phased out coal uh, before Washington, D.C. really took notice. And that's the market uh, solving solving that issue. Um, and the vice president talked about no more coal or oil-fired power plants. We haven't had oil-fired power plants for 50 years. But natural gas was the solution to that. It phased out uh, both of those types, those, those dirtier fuels, uh, with a cleaner fuel source. And that natural gas came from right here in Texas and other parts of the United States. Um, look, everyone supports renewables. Renewables are a critical part of our energy makeup today, um, but they require natural gas as a backup. So you can't go entirely to renewables um, and phase out uh, oil and natural gas. And Jason, you know, as you explain this to our listeners, uh, explain also that while we talk about, you know, we want to incorporate renewables, we want to be greener. Are, any, are there anything out there right now in the way of renewables that can actually be created uh, or powered up without oil or natural gas? Is there anything that exists? Um, no. Okay. Uh, because, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, that's the easy way to say it. No. Um, uh, one, you're getting, you're, you're getting these components from overseas, and so they've got to get here somehow. And those big ships are not powered by wind or solar. Uh, they require fuel mm -hmm. uh, to move the product uh, from overseas to here. Um, uh, second, uh, a number of those, uh, whether it's wind or solar panels, uh, are, are made up with oil and gas products. So you've got that coming right in on, on that front. But then batteries ha have not developed like uh, uh, they've said that they are going to. And so when the wind stops blowing or a cloud comes overhead, uh, you've got a major drop in your ability to uh, turn the lights on. And that's where natural gas has filled that need. And we've seen growth in natural gas uh, needs just as renewables have, have grown as well. So there's really kind of a, a good relationship there between the two. Uh, unfortunately, you have some folks advocating to get rid of natural gas. And that's where we get into a California situation again, where they said they wanted to phase out coal, natural gas, and nuclear power. And so when they get in a tight spot, when, when the wind stops blowing and the, the, uh, uh, the sun doesn't shine, they have rolling blackouts. Right, which is what we, you know, with these big fires, uh, you know, just to give the listeners a visual. So they have these massive fires that are completely covering the sun with so much uh, ash and debris. And then you also have, uh, you know, the ability of, of the wind coming in and just the fire sucking all the wind up. So how, um, you know, they're, they're not, and, and from my understanding is they literally took 
money from the state's coffers to continue to invest in solar and wind and the renewables when they're kind of not as um, they're not as reliable as oil and gas. And then, of course, they find themselves in the situation where instead of them spending some money to to deforest, to clean up their forest, they were continuing to use it to double down on uh, renewables, uh, solar and wind, which, by the way, still have issues as well. They don't have really good uh, ability to store their energy, and they also kill a lot of birds and bats, uh, the uh, wind turbines. Uh, They release emissions, too. So as we talk, I think it's important that I keep pointing out, like, I'm not against them, but I am against us not having a real talk, a real discussion on the truth of what are the problems with all of the different resources, and yet, what are the great benefits of oil and gas, and, and are we ready to get off of them? When we return from break, I'm going to pick up with Clint out of San Antonio. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and our guest today is Jason Modlin, president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. This is our live show, so if you have an oil and gas question, I encourage you to call in right now. The number is 210-308-8867. Again, the number is 210-308-8867. Barry, let's go to line two. Clint, San Antonio, Texas, has been on uh, the call for a while. Clint, I think we do know you as a caller of the show Every time we're live, thank you for calling in. What's your question for Jason? Well, yes, in your opinion, uh, what do you think might happen to the oil and gas industry if Trump should not be reelected? Okay, I don't know, Jason. He was a little spotty. Did you hear his question? I did, Uh, and thank you, Clint, for the question asking uh, what would happen to the oil and gas industry if uh, uh, the president loses in November. Uh, I, I think we have to go off of what uh, uh, the vice president has said he will do, which is to end federal leasing. And so uh, our, our friends in New Mexico, uh, offshore resources uh, that really uh, uh, are boosted by uh, our ports in Corpus and in Houston will be affected. Uh, the vice president has said he will end federal leasing. Uh, and, and then we get into some more complicated matters, whether it's environmental regulation or limitations on the state of Texas and, and what it is able to do with its own resources. Uh, that's where we get into a little bit bigger question. 
as to what Congress would, would authorize uh, a, a Biden-Harris administration to do. Um, just to go back again, uh, uh, the vice president nominee, uh, Senator Kam uh, Kamala Harris, supports the Green New Deal, and, and that's a substantial increase in taxation and limits on domestic oil and gas producers. Uh, and essentially all it does is it shifts our our need uh, for oil and natural gas to overseas uh, so that we are more dependent upon the Middle East and other countries for those resources. As we said in the last segment, uh, renewables uh, are fine, but they need a backup. And that backup right now is, is American oil and gas producers. Um, if you put limits on them, if you put them out of business, if you shut them down, uh, you're going to have to import it from, from elsewhere. Uh, and that's not a good plan. That doesn't help our environment. Uh, it's American producers that have lowered emissions back to 1990s levels and invested in carbon capture and in lower emissions. Um, uh, it's not overseas countries doing that. Jason, so, you know, Vice President Biden uh, was obviously with Obama, and they were not really very friendly in the way of regulation, overregulation. We understand now uh, Kamala Harris is a way, way more liberal. So if he does uh, get in, do you see it really flipping the switch and going with, with, with uh, Kamala Harris as his vice president? Or do you see him somewhat returning to the Biden-Obama, uh, uh, where they really were very heavy on regulations on the oil and gas industry? I mean, I know these are just kind of hypotheticals, but what are your thoughts personally Where do you, if, if yeah, they should I mean, get we're, elected? We're, Right. We're asking on one hand, uh, do we go back to, to heavy regulation and, and just uh, uh, kind of a stranglehold because of, of regulatory overreach? And then on the other, uh, uh, putting you out of business uh, with the intent to put you out of business. Um, uh, it, it's uh, two bad choices, frankly. Um, uh, what we will likely see, though, it, it was, I would imagine, energy cost increasing um, uh, and and that's just that's just well let's repeat that again People what you're saying pay. energy cost will go up uh utilities gas energy everywhere. cost will go up everywhere okay yeah so. there, there's there's no question about that um uh the green new deal has put substantial cost uh estimates out there uh both in the form of taxation but also in the form of raising utility bills because it makes it harder uh to access those resources look right now we have a nice mix uh, in the state of Texas and across the country, but you start taking out certain components and that raises both cost uh, and also reliability. That makes sense. So uh, in other words, what you're saying is that uh, elections have consequences and we know how important uh, certain states like Pennsylvania and Texas are uh, with oil and gas in their overall economy. So those states really need to pay attention to who's who they're voting for. When we return from break, we've got more callers on the line. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. 
Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. We're back. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modlin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. He is here to take your live calls. Uh, if you have an oil and gas question for Jason, please call in now. The phone number is 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. Uh, Jason, before the break, we were uh, discussing how... Um, you know, elections have consequences, and there couldn't be a more important election for many reasons, but to the energy sector, it's definitely an important uh, uh, election and what we're dealing with. And so, uh, Barry, let's bring on uh, line one, Joyce. Uh, Joyce, what's your question for Jason? Hi, Jason. I enjoyed hearing you speak last week at the State of Energy in Corpus, and I just wanted to see if you could give me an update on the rig count right now. Thank you, Joyce. I am glad you attended our State of Energy or virtually. I'm not sure, but thank you. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, so uh, we've seen the rig count in Texas kind of pop up and down, um, and I want to say we're right at 111. I want want to grab that for you. Well, while you're looking that up, (laughs) I've got um, that, according to uh, Enervis's daily rig count, it has now at 15%. um, And, of course, Baker Hughes is a little bit smaller, but we've also had like a price uh, fall, too, when President Trump announced he went into the hospital. So why are we experiencing this turbulence? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I, I think the price drop was uh, um, because we've got some uncertainty out there uh, in the market uh, uh, that's resulted in uh, a, a lower dollar value. And sometimes that, that tracks as well um, uh, with with effects to the oil market. And I think that rig count was right around 111 uh, on Friday. And right before the break, you touched on the impacts to oil producing states, but but it's not just oil producing states, it's manufacturing states as well that rely on abundant affordable energy. And so while uh, Michigan doesn't quite have uh, the production that uh, its neighbor uh, Ohio does, uh, it relies on that uh, nat- cheap natural gas uh, to be able to fuel those, those plants uh, uh, rolling out trucks and, and vehicles for the U.S. And so uh, as those costs to power that plant goes up, uh, the cost of those trucks goes up and, and they start looking elsewhere for uh, uh, ways to to produce those trucks. And, and we've really seen an, an, uh, both an energy renaissance, but also a manufacturing renaissance here in the U.S. as plants have moved back uh, to the United States. And we'd start to lose that, really, if we projected out higher energy costs. Uh, they'd start looking elsewhere. They'd start reconsidering going back to Mexico and to China, and that would be to our detriment uh, for sure, both in terms of jobs, uh, but also in terms of of that capital growth here in the United States. And all of this has been uh, Kim's opinion uh, because of a great Trump 
administration and being uh, less regulation and looking out for the oil and gas industry have been hurt for the last eight years due to overregulation. And uh, I want to switch gears, though, and, and, and let's go back to California because I think it's worth mentioning. Um, Governor Newsom announced a ban uh, on uh, fossil fuels vehicles. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, and I think we need to start a little segment on our live show that is like, if you can bring us in the most crazy policy you can find out there that an elected official is is trying to implement in the way of these, you know, loony liberal policies, uh, this has got to be one. So take it from there. What does well, he mean? <laughs> Uh, and I'll be real quick. Uh, Joyce, I found the article. It's 106 rigs. Uh, uh, you were close. From, uh, <laughs> you were yes, close. Uh, I, was, I was in the ballpark. We're over 100, so happy about that. Um, but uh, uh, would like it back to be, to be where it was last year, which is north of 400. Right. Um, so back to California. Governor uh, uh, Gavin Newsom signed an executive order, and we all know uh, the, the value of executive orders, but he signed an executive order last week that bans new gas powered cars from being sold beyond 2035. And I thought some of the best uh, illustrations of that policy were some funny memes going around last week. Uh, one, the horse and buggy is making a comeback in California. Uh, and the other one with the electric vehicle towing a gas generator behind it. Um, because as we said in the last segment, both strike at the heart of the matter, which is that California can't keep the lights on. Right. And so right now they've got 10% of their vehicle fleet is electric. Uh, if you're gonna go 100%, uh, you're gonna need a lot more in terms of uh, electricity producing resources. And, and, and they don't have it. They've turned away from coal, natural gas, and nuclear power plants, and they rely on a backup from other states in their area. Uh, and, and so with them, uh, with California not adding to the grid uh, and relying on other states, it, it, it pinches them uh, when there's uh, uh, periods of, of inclement weather and that uh, results in their inability to get power uh, into California. And if you can't power those vehicles, you can't drive around. You know, let's, let's drill down just a little bit. How does that work when they're not going to have enough even stations. And if they're having to, to, you know, power these Tesla vehicles or these other electric vehicles, and then there's also, okay, so will you really have enough power stations? And then you're already having a problem with the on and off grid, and you're going to need that to be able to power your vehicles. So not only are they going to be without lights, without air conditioning, or without heating, they're also not going to have you in their vehicles to trans, you know, transport themselves in. How does that work? And, um, And I'm wondering, do you think it's just that the voters do not really understand these crazy policies and keep electing these people? We should take the show to California. (laughs) (laughs) I I think uh, uh, some of the voters out there are are voting for those policies, and and we've seen a lot of they don't understand them. Leave um, uh, the state, uh, along with a number of businesses, leave the state because they recognize that these are just uh, uh, no-win policies. Uh, you're absolutely right. They will need incredible investment in infrastructure to power those vehicles um, uh, across the state, not just in homes, but across the state. So they really need to have like a plan of action before they start doing this uh, and an executive order on an unrealistic 
option currently. Not saying it couldn't happen in the future seems to be uh, a little far-fetched, in my opinion. I think California has enough problems as it is. We'll be right back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modlin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And our live call-in number is 210-308-8867. If you're going to call in and ask Jason a question, I suggest you do it now. This is our last segment to talk to Jason. Uh, Jason, I, have a, I want to come back to the Texas comptroller, Glenn Hager. But first, Monday is deadline for registration to vote that's correct tell us that's about correct it. yeah monday october 5th is the deadline to register to vote um, you can go to votetexas.gov to check if you're registered or or ways to register in your local area look this is a critically important election for the white house but all the way down the ballot with school boards and local elections uh, national politics may fill your social media field but uh, local politics really affects you every day how many taxes you pay, uh, how your kids' schools are run, and, and everyday issues that really need to be followed just as much, if not more so, than national politics. So again, the website is votetexas.gov. That takes you to the Secretary of State's website, and you can check if you're registered uh, and find ways to register if, if you are, in fact, not registered uh, at your home uh, uh, right now. And you know what? You you don't really have the right to complain unless you actually get out there and vote. And then we want to hear your complaints, right? <laughs> um, Texas Comptroller uh, Glenn Hager, um, had the sales receipts were down 6.1% during September compared to the year earlier. And I guess my question for you is... Um, what do you think this means? Is the oil and gas industry, how hurt is it? How, uh, how difficult is this ne- next session going to be when we know that the state of Texas has to balance their budget? Do you see that the governor is going to be requesting across the board budget cuts, you know, 10%, 20% across the board? Because that's going to affect schools, EMS, fire. I mean, how bad or how good do you think it is for the ener- energy sector and for Texas with these numbers? Absolutely. So Governor Abbott and uh, leaders in the legislature have already called for uh, budget cuts to be made. And so they've made those currently uh, within the existing budget year uh, of about 10 percent moving into this next uh, uh, fiscal year. Um, Those are critical resources that they're saving now to then be able to put towards uh, the next budget. Uh, uh, Coincidentally enough, uh, oil and gas has also paid in 
uh, over $8 billion into what's called the rainy day fund. And that's going to be a critical resource for lawmakers as they're approaching next session. Uh, we want to make sure that they avoid raising taxes um, and, and cut um, uh, as much as they can, but not affect transportation and schools and health care, uh, some critical things that we need right now. I just want to bring our listeners back to, um, gosh, it, it's been a while, but we had a a, a uh, inaccurate number. I'm not re- remembering exactly who was the comptroller at the time. Maybe Susan McCombs. Susan Combs. Combs. Right. And um, it was it was pretty devastating for the state. I mean, literally, we didn't have shales going on yet. And uh, Governor uh, Perry at the time requested 20% across the board budget cut. Teachers were being That's laid right. off. There was no a hiring freeze on all law enforcement for the state of Texas. Uh, elderly were lacking in resources, so were dis- disabled people. These things have consequences uh, on us all. And uh, the golden goose, if you will, in oil and gas is oil and gas for this state. And, and, and I don't want to make any bones about it. We need it. And uh, it, and so I do encourage our listeners to get out there and make sure they've registered to vote and make sure that they are very comfortable with who they're voting for and they you've checked records because it's going to be important. Um, Devon Energy and WPX announced a merger this week uh, worth $2.56 billion. Um, and I guess uh, it's making them now the largest producer in the Delaware Basin. Do you think... This is a sign of things to come in the patch. We've seen some mergers, acquisitions. It's just going to continue? I think we are going to continue to see some mergers. We've certainly heard from some of our members that they're seeing buying opportunities, and and that's exactly what this was, is an opportunity for two of these companies to come together and uh, uh, cut some uh, of their overhead uh, and invest more in the Delaware Basin. Look, when you've got two operators right next to each other, if you can uh, create some efficiencies, that is a good thing uh, as ways to reduce the cost to produce here in the United States. It keeps us competitive globally. Uh, and really applaud these two companies for coming together, uh, just like with uh, Chevron and Noble uh, right. from a few weeks ago. That's right. So what is the uh, ener- what is the Texas Alliance going to uh, work on with um, the session coming up? I would imagine uh, understanding all the things that are coming down the pike here. Um, y'all are going to be busy trying to uh, have, uh, I guess, uh, an easy session. with. I, I know that uh, Intimate Domain is one that keeps coming back up. What are you guys going to work on? And then, of course, our listeners. I, I want to end with um, knowing where our listeners can join uh, the Texas Alliance if they want to be a part of, um, of your group. Tell us a little bit about you know, your group. Why, why sure. do they want to join? Go ahead. So uh, uh, Texas Alliance uh, of Energy Producers is at TexasAlliance.org. Uh, that's a great way for you to find out what we're up to. Uh, we are a 90-year-old organization serving the needs of independent oil and gas operators and affiliated contractors and service professionals across the state. Uh, we fight for American energy producers and to advance the standards of the industry in Austin and Washington, D.C., This session, we are going to be working on eminent domain. We've been working for a number of years with landowner groups, think the Texas Farm Bureau, Texas Cattle Raisers, uh, to hammer out really some some progress and some improvements to the way eminent domain is done in the state. Look, it's not just oil and gas. It's also roads. It's electric lines. It's water utilities. It's also cities and counties. And, And really, landowner groups would like to see some improvement 
improvements made and we want to uh, help in that process uh, but we don't want to shut down pipelines uh, what's made texas successful is the amount of infrastructure we have in getting oil and natural gas out of the permian basin and to the gulf coast and to the port of corpus christi that's how we've been able to, to capture uh, this market uh, this global market and really benefit the state so we're going to be focusing on that we're also going to be making sure that our regulator, the Railroad Commission of Texas, as well as the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, have the resources they need uh, to, to do their job. When, when they uh, uh, lack trucks, when they lack uh, mainframe and, and technology infrastructure, they hold us back. And that raises our cost. That raises the time it takes to drill a well and complete a well. And so we want to make sure that the Railroad Commission has the resources they need to do their job. So that's what we're going to be focused on this session, eminent domain, and then uh, uh, fighting for our regulators to make sure that they have the resources they need. Do you anticipate it, it's going to be a tough session? I would think I would think so with just all the different things they're grappling with. And it'll be interesting, Jason, to see how the capital is accessible due to COVID-19 and uh, you know, all the restrictions that might be applying. I know Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, uh, we look forward to having you come and speak to us on, you know, what are the issues that we're going to face and how can we advocate. Uh, but uh, I don't even know if we'll have uh, an energy day just because it seems to be not a really good time to be pulling everybody together. Um, You're absolutely right. Uh, the Capitol has been closed for the last seven months uh, fr from the public being able to get in and, and uh, uh, DPS has been there uh, in, in some cases defending the Capitol when we've had uh, some protests here in Austin. Uh, and so but we can uh, still been open to the public. Right. But we can still write our elected officials and email them. Thank you, Jason. That's all the time we have. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.